What's up? Welcome back to another edition of Major League Talk. I am your host, J.D. Johnstone. Alongside me always is the Houdini himself, Dean Kanganis. How are we, Dean? I'm chilling. I would like to now be referred to as Houdini, a.k.a. Dino Bambino. Will do, will do. Uh, So episode 15, the Thurman Munson edition. Uh, Let's get right into it. Uh, Holy Home Run Derby. If that was not exciting, if that was just, I, I did not expect what happened. I'm going to have to disagree with you here respectfully. What? Other than the Vlad-Jog-Peterson matchup, I thought the entire thing was kind of boring. The Vlad and Jock-Peterson thing was incredible. Well, That right. is exactly what baseball needed. Like, that was... Fun to watch, and I guarantee you, people that don't even watch baseball tuned in when they heard that because that was crazy. Right, but how how long was the entire thing? Three and a half hours. About yeah. Okay, like that's entirely too long to watch eight guys hit home runs. In which, to be honest with you, the announcer was garbage. Um, I've always said. There, there's, there should not be 12-year-old kids in the outfield just shagging flies. It's the most it, – like, we talk about netting down the lines in pro games. That's the most, like, unsafe thing in the, on the planet. I'm and, waiting and, for someone to get domed. That's what I mean. Like, that's what I'm watching it for. I'm watching it hoping that some kid gets drilled in the top of the head. Like, <laughs> like, like not bad. It's just, like, boop, like, right off the top of the dome, you know? And I just I feel like I feel like I spent so much time watching the BP pitchers. Oh yeah, what's it? Uh, Matt Chapman's dad was just dicing him up. Jeez, that's what I mean. You see I, that? I, I just I I feel like they should get away from the time limit and just go to swings. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. A lot of people are the, a fan of like the new thing. What is it? Is it four minutes where you just swing? Yeah, it's four minutes. I liked the old way with 10 outs. No, I'm, I'm getting away from the outs. See, Ten- I mean, I just, I just liked it that way. Because I feel like you actually had to, like, take your pitch. And it, like, meant, like, it was harder, I think, to hit a home run. Because, you, like, you had to hit the right pitch to hit it out. You know what but I mean? That- like, now it's just like a swing off. And and that's what I was interested with when when Jock and Vlad were going back and forth because when they got to the blast off, uh, three swings each, it got more selective. And I understand why the outs part of it gets redundant because it's like, okay, he's taking pitch, he took a pitch, he's taking a pitch, and then he goes yard, and then okay, well that, that you know he's still got ten outs left, and it goes on and it drags and drags and drags, but. I just feel like for television purposes, it was not that entertaining. Other than that round. All right, I can see your point there. I do think if some other people were in the Derby, like, say, Christian Yelich, I think it would have been a lot more interesting. And I do think Pete Alonso had maybe the easiest, like, route to a home run derby, like, trophy or champion, whatever you want to call it. That was the easiest route. I mean, he won a million bucks, but... Double the salary. But yeah, well, that's insane. But did anybody actually think he won that? I mean, yeah, I was talking about it with my friend today. I mean, Vlad Jr., like, 
where I mean, we're about to get all into this in a second, but like the tweet, what was uh, Jeff Passan tweeted out? Did you see it? He was like, Pete Alonso might have won the home run derby, but Vlad Jr. won the night. And that was a perfect tweet that just completely described the night. Yeah, that sums it up right there. You know, Vlad stole the show. We knew he was going to. I didn't think he had, first of all, his swing is gorgeous and he uncorks himself. It's not, you know, there were some swings where he looked very out of control. But you can do that in a home run derby and get away with it because he still hit the ball 440 feet. Um, I thought it was a, a great ballpark to watch it. Um, I, I just, I, I think I just go back to, it's like watching any any event, right? Like the Pro Bowl in the NFL and all that stuff. Like, is that stuff entertaining to me? It's really not because at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything. Could it have been more entertaining if? You know, like, let's just say, theoretically, you had the Judges, the Stantons, um, the Harpers, the Trouts in it, you know, like Alonzo, then Vlad, then Bell. Like, how interesting does it get at that point? I think I'm more interested, but I think that, like, they had three guys in that derby that had no business being there. And Chat. you know who has never been in it? Mike Trout. I, Trout's never been in it, because I, I don't think... I don't, I don't know, like, first of all, I was not a home run hitter. So I think it's very difficult to look at a derby and be like, oh, like, I wish I could do that. Because I don't know if it damages someone's swing. I remember when Gary did it. Was it Gary who did it where he came back and, and couldn't hit the, the backside of a barn? Or was it Judge? That was Judge. Judge was batting, yeah, was batting like 330 and then batted like what, like 190 the second half. Remember that? Yeah. It was like horrible. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of the event. I wasn't like... Like, I think I had a PG event and I was like, I got eliminated and I came home and on my drive home, I wasn't sitting there like, oh my God, I can't wait to go back and watch the Derby. I think I was just sitting in bed and I was like, oh yeah, the Derby's on. Yeah, for sure. And I think the thing that took away, like, that was the biggest takeaway of the night was probably, I think everybody, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if people were just switching on and off their channels and waiting for Vlad Jr. to get up. I mean, did you see the, like, the emotions he, like, he went through, like, while he was hitting it? I mean, he was so into it. Like, when he hit his 40th, it was like, he was screaming, he was pumped up when he was going back and forth with, uh, Peterson. He, and by the way, yeah, he hit 40 home runs in one round. Like, what about Josh Hamilton? That was, that was completely done, but, yeah. But, like, he was just so into it, and, I we need more of that. I like that. I just I'd rather watch the three point contest. Even even the dunk contest is now getting kind of lame. Yeah, because I mean, what more can you do? Like it's usually the same tricks. Yeah, so like I, I think I'm just getting to the point where I'd rather see bombs in a game. Yeah, next year, you know who I want to see next year? And I didn't even mention it at all last uh, last podcast. And I kind of like, I, I saw it on television and then I went and like just scrolled through it on the internet and kind of dived down into it. Joey Gallo. I, I, I want to see him in it. Gallo would be a good fit. Eloy Jimenez, Soto, like all these young bucks that are coming up would be fun to watch. I just don't know, like... Maybe it's my age. I don't know. I don't know if like 16-year-old kids watch it and love it. I don't know. I just – I'm so past it. You know what I mean? Like they – like 
if baseball's moving in that direction of like analytics, like why isn't there an exit velocity competition? Why isn't there like a like a like an outfield assist type competition where they put a target at the plate and you got to drill it from center field? You know what I mean? Like let's let's evolve the events a little bit. Like no one gives a shit about the celebrity softball game. I've watched <laughs> that like live in Miami and that was boring. Um I just Oh, you were there for that. Yeah, I, I saw the Futures game and that. And the Futures game is exciting because it's fun. You get to know some guys, but I just don't like I don't like the vibe anymore from it. It's 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 boring. It's it's like it's no different than the Pro Bowl, the NBA All-Star game, um the NHL skills competition gets kind of boring. Um you know, I I, I just feel like we're we're getting to that point where they got to change it. Yeah, and they got to make it quicker. Like you said before, I mean, three hours, that is a long time. Over three hours, actually. Yeah, that's way, That's entirely way too long. Yeah, but uh, the Texas Rangers tweeted out before the Home Run Derby, uh, a gif, jif, however you want to say it. It was Josh Hamilton back in 2008 when the <clears throat> Home Run Derby and All-Star Game was at Yankee Stadium, or the old Yankee Stadium, I should say. And he had... Was it 28 home runs in one round, and it was like a big deal? He didn't even end up winning it. Justin Morneau did. That's why I think it's kind of overrated. But anyway, they were like, the Rangers said, uh, sorry, try beating this tonight. Literally within five minutes, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit 29 in the first round, and I thought it was hilarious. And obviously later in the night, he hit 40 home runs. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, and the crazy thing is, is I expected him to, to lose his gas, but he did not take his foot off the pedal the entire night. Well, yeah, but I also think that's why he lost. If he didn't have to go through that 40 home run thing, he would have easily beat P. Alonzo. I agree. Because what was Pete Alonzo in his last 30 seconds when he hit that ball, when he hit like the winning home run? Yeah, yeah. I think it had like 12 seconds. It was like the 15-second mark in his bonus round, I think. Yeah, no. and Vlad, Vlad Jr. didn't even have a – he hit like what I think he hit like two home runs in like the first minute and a half. So like he started off really slow and then somehow got to like 22. Well, you got to think about it. Like even taking swings casually is tiring. Let alone swinging as hard as you can over 200 times in less than 2 hours. Yeah. I don't, you know, and that that little thirty second timeout to get a sip of Gatorade doesn't help that much. It might help for the the next two or three swings, but that's like taking a thirty second break and then going and running another six miles. Like you're going to be tired after the first twenty steps. Yeah, can I just say that I, I think the Gatorade thing needs to stop. I think it's just so like. I don't even know what to say. I just think it's so stupid. Like, literally every single time, the guys are coming over, and they're like, no, I don't want a freaking sip of Gatorade, bro. Like, I, But you can't say no because it's some nine-year-old. But see, that's what pisses me off is, like, only one of those dudes looked at the kid and was like, hey, thank you. Like, <laughs> say thank you, you jackass. They're bringing you a Gatorade. Give them the bat. Do something. What are they supposed to do? They're in the middle of a home run derby. It's a derby. With a million dollars on the line. Those two are going to make so much money. 
every single one of those ball players is going to make more than a million dollars. Vlad, I'm sure, is going to land an endorsement deal that's going to make him a ridiculous amount of money in the next 12 months. And I just have a hard time with not looking at the kid and being like, hey, thank you. Here's a high five. Make the kid's life. You know? Yeah, I see that. I understand that. But Josh Bell, I voted for him. What was it? Last uh, last episode uh, with the monthly predictions. And that just completely backfired. I mean... Well, I think he had 18 home runs, and who did he go against? Ah, jeez, I don't even remember. Uh, anyway, it was just it was bad. Like, I mean, he just had no shot of winning, and I really thought he he really had a good shot. I mean, the exit velocity was there. We talked about the launch angle, and he plays in Pittsburgh, and he puts him in the Allegheny River. I mean, like that river was not meant to have home runs hit in it. That like that's another like hundred feet back. Like, when they built the stadium, they weren't like, oh, let's put on a show. It's not like San Francisco where you hit it out. And what's it called? The McCovey Bay? McCovey Cove. Oh, McCovey Cove. Yeah. It's not supposed to It's not supposed to go. Like, those home runs in San Francisco are supposed to go in the water. Pittsburgh, they're not. And he still somehow manages to put them in there. And I think he's actually, like, one of the only ones, like, to ever – not to do it, but, like, one of the only ones to do it in, like, the last 10 years. First of all, he he's one of the biggest baseball players I've ever seen. Um, oh yeah, looks like a tight end or a, a he, linebacker. He's huge. He looks like a starting linebacker. Um, and, and I feel like, I feel like there was so much hype on him that, uh, who who was it a few years back that that shit the bed and hit like three out in front of his home oh, crowd? Jeez, um, talking about too. Whatever. I think he put a lot of pressure on himself, and I don't think his swing is built to just hit home runs. I mean, yeah, if you did look at his home runs, he had like four line drives out of the 18, where the, or four home runs out of the 18, where they were like line drives to like right field. Like yeah. they were literally like on a rope. And, and that's, the, that's the thing where, you know, I think that's just the type of hitter he is. I think he's able to... I think he's just one of those guys that benefits from high velo pitching and, and just, you know, lives by the old philosophy of swing down and lift at point of contact, hit line drives, doesn't really care about launch angle and all that, and and is able to run balls out of the park on a consistent basis. But I'd much rather watch him hit a ball out at PNC than do it in a derby in Cleveland because PNC is one of the greatest ballparks around. Um, might be my favorite ballpark to watch a game. And to hit it into that river is nothing short of a milestone. Let's just make this clear. This is coming from the guy from Pittsburgh, right? Or from Pennsylvania? First of all, I'm not from Pittsburgh. I'm from Harrisburg. Second of all, I hate everything about Pennsylvania sports except Penn State and Villanova. (laughs) And third of all, um, I was the only person in the world who was clapping in the Dark Knight Rises when they took that city over. I think Pittsburgh is one of the worst cities in America. I know there's a big pastime there. Uh, I had an ex-girlfriend that went there, completely ruined the city for me. The city's a piece of shit. Next question. Aren't you a Steelers fan? Uh, no, you are, are you no, you're, you're a Redskins fan. You're a Redskins fan, right? Yankees, Knicks, Rangers, Redskins, Villanova basketball. That's what it was. Yeah, I was like, 
I kind of got confused there. Yeah, I forgot you were. When I, that, when I was saying that, I remembered that you were. Uh, but enough about the other guys. Pete Alonso ended up winning the Derby, obviously. He beat Carlos Santana in the first round, 14-13. to 13, And then he beat Ronald Acuna Jr. in the second round, 20-19. to 19. That's who Josh Bell lost to, Acuna. That's what it was. But uh, this is the only thing the Mets have right now. And I was digging the polar bear cleats. It was pro. Oh, for sure. And, and one other thing. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr. is an absolute stud. Did you see his, the spray chart where it was everywhere? His, I love it. His spray chart is unbelievable. His swing is gorgeous. Like, if I could be a Major League Baseball player, it's either him or Lindor. Yeah, you couldn't go wrong. Maybe LeMayhew because he's just the reincarnation of God. He's a machine. Yeah, but uh, you said it best, Dean, uh, last uh, podcast. You said it's the best thing going for him since David Wright, a young David Wright. I mean, you, it's the best thing you could say. You got anything else on that? No, I just I, – I think I think it's good for them, and I think it's it's one of those things that's going to keep them relevant for a little bit, but I think it's only a matter of time before uh, they start unloading some of their, some of their, their pitchers at the deadline. And and I think they're going to go back into irrelevancy, but this is the problem with the Mets is they're always kind of relevant. Normally, other than this year, they've been relevant the first half of the year. I think last year they started like 14 and three or something, and then just folded and it's just expected. And that's the, that's the, the sad thing about, the Mets is I can't remember the last time they put a product on the field that was really competitive for three years in a row. Well, we were going to talk about this later and we weren't going to get into it a whole lot, but now that you mentioned it, you do think the Mets will trade maybe some starting pitching. I didn't think so. Other than Zach Wheeler, maybe like, do you think like maybe a Syndergaard or a Dugram is maybe on the move? I th- I think if the if the price is right for Degrom, I think you gotta pull the trigger on it. I don't know if people are willing to unload the bl- on unload the bank on Syndergaard because I don't know if his health can hold up. But well, he's also inconsistent. I think he's or very yeah. he's very inconsistent. But I think it, it, Wheeler's gonna go. Now, is someone willing to to give them an offer they can't re- refuse for Degrom? I think it's possible. Um, but I, I think he's the, the, the third or fourth pitcher on people's lists, unfortunately behind Scherzer and, and, uh, Mad Bum and I think Stroman for, for the right price. Yeah. Um, but other than the Homer and Derby, the all-star game is obviously last night. I liked it. I thought it was, a, I, I thought it was, a, it wasn't a great all-star game. I thought it was pretty good though. You know, I will say, did you see the, you said you weren't going to watch it. Did you watch the first inning? I did not. All right. By the way, I think Joe Buck is like the worst like sports anchor around. But we're not like he he's talking. He they had an earpiece in the players. They I put saw- an earpiece and a mic on on Freddie Freeman while he's batting against Justin Verlander. He's throwing ninety six to ninety nine. He hits like over a hundred sometimes, and you're talking to him. What an idiot. John Smoltz wasn't even saying anything. Like, he knew. Like, he was probably sitting there like, why are you talking to him? Yeah. See, here's my – here's – first of all, I love Joe Buck's voice. 
Oh, he's, yeah, he does have a good voice, like, for sports anchoring. I think he does have a great voice. I just don't think he's a good anchor. Like, I just think he says dumb stuff that's just not relevant. Uh, he, he's up there with, with John Madden-type comments. Like, Madden used to be like, oh, well, you, you know, if the, if the Raiders score more points than the Rams, they're going to win this game. Like, no shit. Um, <laughs> so, like, my problem with Buck is ever since Boone's bomb in 03 – Buck has been almost irrelevant because he wants to be that that guy where like let me talk, let me give interesting facts, let me talk about this, let me talk about that. And in reality, like there's nothing that he knows about baseball. Exactly. I'd rather listen to Romo do golf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, 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 it needs to change. He hasn't he been the guy. He's the guy for the postseason, the World Series. Get someone new. I mean, you're telling me MLB doesn't look at Twitter every time this guy does a game. Well, that's the thing is he get he got bashed. The dude that did the home run derby got bashed. First of all, and whoever was doing the camera work for the derby was awful. Am I the only person that feels like the camera should be right behind the hitter? Oh, with like the catcher's mask or like a little bit higher than that, like behind no, all that. Put a square screen behind it and just put an HD camera right there. Like on like 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 just elevated two angles. So you can just see it fly off the bat. I don't want to see the the pitcher throw, the contact of the baseball, and then a flip of the camera. It looks like the Blair Witch Project, which if you've never seen that movie, is so dizzy worthy. It's ridiculous. I can't it's hard for me to focus. It's just like ball off the bat. Okay. In my mind, I, because you know, guys who watch baseball know when a ball's gone or not. And the guy said a few times, Oh, he did it. He broke the record and the ball like hit the wall. Why? Because he doesn't know a damn thing about baseball. That's yeah, the, it's the that same I- thing with the Derby though. It's been the same announcers, like just like Joe Buck. They need someone new. Well, that's the thing. It's like I hated it when Berman did it too, because it was back, 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 and that one back, back, gone. Yeah, it was stupid. My dad hated. My dad hated it. Like that's the guy who, like, on the Fourth of July, like pounds like an entire thirty case of Keystone by himself, and is lighting fireworks, yelling at his son, back, 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 light it. Like that's what I imagine. Sorry, I got off topic. I'm good. Let's go. Well, yeah, so uh, Yale won uh, for the seventh season in a row. I mean, the NL, you got to step up your game, guys. <laughs> like, seven seasons in a row, it's get, that's, that's past embarrassing. Yeah, and it's, it's getting to – first of all, Gliber made an error, I think, someone told me. I didn't watch. I watched like the first three innings. And I exactly. That's my point. You are a die hard baseball fan. And I am. You sh- and you shut it off after three innings. Why? One, I couldn't stand Joe Buck anymore. <laughs> That's one. What's two? Well, two, I thought it, it, it gets a little bit long, I think. You know, I do like, I do like how they do the mic'd up player stuff, but I think they ask the wrong questions. Like, Joe Buck the whole time, like, I didn't like the Freddie Freeman thing. Francisco Lindor was on uh, at shortstop, and he was like, oh, uh, are you telling Matt Chapman to go play in right now? And he was like, yeah. And then he started talking to Gleyber Torres, and he was like, hey, uh, 
watch up the middle. And then he was like, did you tell him to go up the middle? And like, like he literally just said that. I was like, is this guy an idiot? Yeah. Like, uh, and that- it was just, it was just stupid co- like commenting, like ask him questions. Like, Hey, what's your, what's the most uh, exciting part about all this? You know, it's in Cleveland. Like he didn't ask anything about that. It's in Cleveland. He's the superstar. That's this perfect question to ask. He talked about where they were. He was taking the umpires after the game because Lindor was taking umpires out to the game to some fancy restaurant. He paid for them. Like I don't want to hear about that. I don't care. I want to hear about how his experience is playing in front of his home crowd. Yeah, and that's I think I think that's my biggest problem with it is 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 it becomes like more like entertainment rather than like a competitive baseball game. Was that your other reason that I didn't mention? I said Joe Buck, and then like how it was just too long, and then you said yeah, but what else? Yeah, like that. That I think it just becomes more like a show, like a sitcom. You know what I mean? Like we're hey, we're gonna entertain you, yeah. And, and people who aren't baseball fans, well, let's give you a little mic'd up into it when like that stuff is not what we want to hear. Like when when Terry Collins went off on that umpire, like that gave people who don't know much about baseball some insight on what is possibly said. It gave baseball players some insight on what a pro manager would say to an umpire, especially without review at the time. So it's like, like that's the stuff that's entertaining. Not let me mic up a player in a game that doesn't mean anything, and go from there. Like that, that it's just like to me that's boring. That's why I love watching Hard Knocks on HBO when where they follow each NFL team or not each NFL team but one NFL team for like the entire preseason. Because it shows you a bunch of different stuff. It takes you inside the, the 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 QB meetings. It takes you inside some meetings amongst the whole team and all that. It takes you inside the personal relationships when a coach cuts has to cut a player. You know what I mean? Like that's the stuff that's entertaining. Not, yeah, you ever even watch did you ever watch QB one on Netflix? No. Wow, you should really watch that. It's the same thing. It's actually the same exact thing, except it's not pro. It's they take not trying to get off topic here real quick. It's a Netflix show. It's a Netflix like original, like it's their show. It's called QB one. And they follow around for the year, like the top uh, quarterbacks in the high school class. So actually I think this upcoming season, it's going to be season three. They already have two seasons. Uh, the first season was uh, Tate Martell, uh, Miami. Now he's going to be the Miami uh, university of Miami's quarterback, big name. He was one of the uh, guys, they have three quarterbacks every season. Uh, third season, I don't really know. I mean, oh, they had Jake Fromm in the first season too. Georgia won the uh, national like, championship. See, that's the, that stuff's interesting. It's like they're behind the thing. They're they're behind the scenes. It's like them, like them going to school, them going to their training, workouts, locker room talk, them in the game, stuff like that. Like I I, I like that. And actually, season three is going to be uh, the kid that goes to Gibbons. He's a quarterback i think he's committed to kentucky i don't know what his name is but i he he goes to gibbons and he's from down here he's going to be in season three which is pretty cool but the game that uh decided the all the run that decided the all-star uh game was joey Galler uh J- joey gallows home run just the first pitch he saw and it decided the ball game and it was the same thing they were talking about launch angle like we were talking about the exit velo, and it was kind of more of a line drive, and it was just like right to like uh, right center. I, it was it was a sweet swing. I, I think Gallo's popped up three times in his career or something. 
Oh, did you see the the crazy stat on him? What is it? I don't want to steal. I'm going to give them credit. I heard him starting nine. I don't want to steal their thing. And that's why I didn't really want to talk about it because that's their thing. But since you just mentioned it, I am giving them credit. This is where I heard it from. It. What do you, guess? Just take a guess. What is his batting average on balls he puts in play this season? He just puts the ball in play. What is his batting average? Uh, three thirty. Higher. Four fifty. Higher. Five twenty-two. He's batting five hundred. If he um, makes contact. That's yeah, like, crazy. Like, see, um, as of August 8th, 2018, Joey Gallo has had 1,124 MLB plate appearances and still has yet to hit a sacrifice fly. That's a crazy stat, too. But like when I when I heard that I was like, "That's a joke." There's no way that's true. I don't I don't think anybody. I've never even heard anybody even come close to something like that. You're telling me you hit the ball, and literally one out of two times you're getting on base. Not even getting on base. It's a hit because it's your batting average. It's not you're not getting on by error. Like yeah, Gal- Gallo Gallo eventually ended that. His first sacrifice fly came um, 1,337 plate appearances into the season or into his career. April 22nd, 2019 was the first time in his career he hit a sacrifice fly or had a sacrifice hit. That includes a sack bunt. Jeez. Yeah, I was even talking, they were even saying uh, maybe some MVP talks. Like the way he's playing, you know, he moved from third base. He went to first base, and now he's the Rangers center fielder. So he's been moving around. He finally found his spot, maybe his home for the rest for a majority of his career, and now he's just popping off. Like he's he's doing great. Yeah, but he's a career two fifteen hitter. That's interesting. Because this is his breakout year. All the other years, he's batted like two, like exactly, he's batted two fifteen. But he like. Didn't he? He had like forty bombs last year. Be batted like two hundred, right? Are you looking at his stats? Yeah, he hit he hit forty one bombs in twenty seventeen when he was twenty three. Hit two oh nine. Hit forty yeah. bombs last year. Hit two oh six. This year he's starting to piece it together. Two seventy five. Um, twenty bombs. He's on pace for forty again. Um, and his strikeouts are down too. He had ninety five strikeouts. Um, as opposed to last year, he had 205, 207. But it's his yeah, slugging but- that, that has, has – his slugging's increased by, by 145 points. Yeah, I heard that too. Um, but the MVP of the All-Star game was Shane Bieber, uh, Bieber uh, right-handed pitcher for the Cleveland Indians, and it was in Cleveland. I didn't know if that really had anything to do with it. Did you? Uh, I didn't even know who he was. All I know is he has the same last name as Justin, and Justin can sing it. <laughs> he can, he can. Uh, but he he had he faced three batters and struck out all three. 
I am not being biased here. I would have said the same thing, whoever it was, or Aldous Chapman did the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I... So I didn't understand why he won. That's why I was wondering, like, oh, is it because in Cleveland? Because if it is in Cleveland, I understand that. Like, give the fans what they want. But Aldous yeah, Chapman did the same exact thing, and he throws harder, so... That's fine. That's fine if that's the case. I just... Yeah, like I wish they would have said something. Although I, I don't care. Like, I want to know the reason because he, it's not like he he didn't throw two innings. Exactly. I, I and honestly, if I had to pick someone, I would have thought Joey Gallo would have won it because he had the go ahead home run, like the run that decided the ball game. They had and to, he only had one pitch that he saw. Probably, they probably just gave it to him because it's from Cleveland, most likely. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Um, it's time for the fact of the pod. This uh, fact of the podcast today, Dean, uh, you're, you're going to be a little shocked about this one. I found this one uh, on the web, and uh, you might have heard of it. You might have not, but it's pretty interesting. The headline for the fact is Dave Winfield was traded for an expensive dinner. Ever heard of that one? Uh, is that a true story? It is, and I'm about to explain it. In late August of 1994, MLB was over two weeks into a strike that interrupted the season. Just before the waiver uh, trade deadline expired, the Minnesota Twins traded an aging outfielder and designated hitter, Dave Winfield, to the Cleveland Indians for a player to be named later. Two weeks after the trade on September 14th, the rest of the 1994 season was canceled, so Winfield never actually played for the Indians that season, and no player was ever named in exchange. Later on, executives from both the Indians and the Twins got together for a dinner with the Indians executives, picking up the dinner tab, making Winfield the only player in MLB history to ever be traded for a five-star meal. That's fantastic. You're starting to be a fan of these facts. It's just cool stuff to know. I mean, that's just fan. That's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I, I really I, – when I saw that, I was like, this is interesting. I need to say this. Better have been surf and turf. Uh, yeah, so that was the fact of the pod. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, now it's time for uh, the next uh, topic, trade market. Trade uh, market's starting to heat up. Uh, you know the trade deadline is on July 31st. Uh, so let's talk about what's new with it. It's been reported that Marcus Stroman and Ken Giles have been uh, reportedly talked in a package deal with the Yankees and the Twins. Both teams, of course, need starting pitching help. Uh, Stroman obviously wants to be an, a Yankee, we know. He wants to be in the bright lights. Everybody is saying it. It's not just me and Dean. Literally go on MLB.com. They're saying the same thing. Ken Rosenthal, we all know he wants to be there. He's from New York. He yells at the Red Sox dugout after pimping strikeouts. I need Marcus Stroman in pinstripes, Dean. I, I, I think he's the best fit for the Yankees on the market. If they don't land him, I don't think they should do anything. Really? I, I mean, if it's not – if you're not – if you're giving up Frazier for someone that – if you can somehow steal – they were talking about um, the dude from, from the Orioles too. Um, uh, Andrew Kashner? An, Andrew Kashner, thank you. Um if you can steal a guy like that, first of all, Sonny Gray was an all-star. Shoot me in the face. Um, 
I don't even know how we got there, but yeah. Yeah, it's just unbelievable because I'm just sitting here thinking about the Yankees pitching staff, and I'm just like, you know, they've let some good guys walk, and they're cleaning up their mess by going out and acquiring somebody, and you better be able to um, – I don't want to – you just better be able to get this deal done without giving up Florial. Oh, he's off limits. Uh, Cashman already said that. Unless he changes his mind, obviously. He's the one in charge of all that, but he's off limits, he said. He said, I'm not trading him. Until Scherzer's name comes around and they say, hey, Frazier, Florial, and someone else. Then all of a sudden it it turns into, do we really want it? That puts us over the edge, yada, 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 and then then he's gone. If you can get a quality starter without giving up Florial, I'm all for it. But at the end of the day, do I really think the Yanks are going to pull a trigger on a big move? I know Cashman's no. going to try. I just don't think he does. No, and I agree with you. I don't think he does. I don't think it is going to be a big move. And you know, I think if they do trade someone, uh, Garcia is going to be in the talks. He's like their biggest uh, pitching prospect right now. We saw him in the Futures game. He was. I mean, that curveball was just insane. I don't know if you got the chance to watch it, but it was. And he's basically been in all the talks, basically, for a starting pitcher for the Yankees. Every team's saying, all right, you got to throw him in. Maybe they're going to throw him in, and maybe that's like the replacement for Florial. And then Florial's not in discussions at all. I don't know what's going on. But like we were saying, too, Ken Giles was also talked in the package. One, I don't want him. Two, I don't think he's amazing. Three, the Yankees bullpen is kind of stacked already. I don't know why you like it's cool to like stock it up a little bit more, but like I just think that's kind of a waste if maybe you're gonna trade a Garcia or maybe a Frazier for Ken Giles when you really don't need him. And uh is this gonna be different with the whole punching himself in the face against New York when he was on the Astros? Does that have any effect to it, you think? I mean, personally, I thought that was the greatest thing I've ever seen on television, other than Tyson biting Holyfield's ear off. I've never seen somebody punch themselves in the face as hard as he did. Um, but a guy like that can't make it in a big market. That's exactly what I thought. That's why when I saw that, I was like, nah, he can go to the Twins. Yeah, he's not going to make it in a big market. And anyone who says Houston is a big market, they're not. Um, Houston just got blessed with their, with, with their draft classes back to back to back to back years and were able to land Verlander because of that. But I don't think he I, he does not pan out, and I don't want him. Yeah, exactly. But I do like how the Twins are engaging in trades. They're not just sitting back and watching like they usually always do, in my opinion. You know, they're. I think I don't know. I don't watch them a ton, but I know they're five and a half in ahead of the Cleveland Indians. And before it was like ten games, so I don't really know if they're slipping. But I do know they need starting pitching because I know Jake or- uh, Ordorizzi is not going to be the only uh, sa- uh, savior. Like they uh, need I, help. Yeah, it's good to see the twi- It's good to see low market, small market teams be able to, you know, understand where they're at, and if they want to to make a run at just getting out of the wild card game or or not getting swept in the ALDS, then it's moves that they have to make. So that's always good to see. But, but is, is Giles the guy that puts you over the top? I don't think so. Well, they do need bullpen help, so it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, that's like it's a piece that helps. But I would focus more on starting pitching if I was and, the Twins. And where's Kimbrell? Cubs. Like, that's another guy that 
that I still don't think puts you the over the edge. Well, he's done horrible for the Cubs so far. His ERA is like sixteen. Of course, and you know, and it, it, and it's it, it's just like that that era in baseball where like go get a guy or draft a guy that's going to throw ninety eight anyway. Yeah. Um, next uh, topic for the trade uh, heat market heating up. The Red Sox are pushing for starting pitching help. They talked mostly about Zach, uh, Zach Wheeler of the Mets, Matthew Boyd of the uh, Detroit Tigers, which I also think they're asking prices way too high, considering that, I don't know if I told you this, last month, you know who they asked for? Uh, Brian Cashman was talking about maybe a Matthew Boyd trade, which I'm really glad didn't happen because I think he's very overrated. And this is his breakout season, and I think this just just the season that he's going to be known for, having an outstanding season, and then he's going to go back to that four-and-a-half ERA guy. Do you know who they asked? For Matthew I Boyd. I can't wait to hear this. Glaber Torres. <laughs> yeah, I mean, get out of here. Are you out of your mind? What's his name? Al Avila? <laughs> You're a joke, bro. Glaber Torres for Matthew Boyd? Are you crazy? I don't know if that was true, but it blew up on Twitter. So I don't know. And I'm pretty sure it was a guy that like covered like sports. So I, I just thought that was absolutely absurd and insane. Insane if that actually was true. I'm yeah. hoping it's not for the sake of Avila, the GM of the Detroit Tigers. I mean, but that's just ridiculous. Like, is that just something that they offer just to like maybe they're stupid today? Like, <laughs> I, it's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah, but Red Sox. Uh, Market was also talking about maybe a Mad Bum and more. We don't really know. Maybe even a Trevor Bauer. And maybe they'll make a run for Marcus Stroman. We don't know. But the names we've heard so far are Madison Bumgarner, Zach Wheeler, and Matthew Boyd. Out of all of those, my question to you is, who do you think is the best fit? In my opinion, I see them getting Zach Wheeler. I think the best fit for them is probably Madison Bumgarner, though. I just think the asking price is going to be through the roof with the Giants. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think Wheeler is more realistic. I think that's the, who they're going to land. But if they want to close the gap and somehow have a run at the wild card, it's got to be Mad Bum. Exactly. And lastly, Trevor Bauer um, is starting to look more like Trevor Bauer. You know, uh, report they reported there were a lot of scouts watching his last game. I know for a fact the Yankees were watching his last start, and I heard. A few other teams were watching too. Is this something that maybe popped up? Maybe something in the Marcus Stroman uh, talks. The Marcus Stroman talks, I think, were three days ago. The Yankees watched Trevor Bauer's last start, which was, I, I believe, the last day before the All Star break. So, do you think they started watching Trevor Bauer because maybe talks with Marcus Stroman kind of died down, and now they're maybe exploring other things? I, I just, I just feel like. Like Bauer's always been looked at, and I think it's just like doing their doing your due diligence. Just like let's get one more good look at him. But I think he's one of the best. I think he's one of the best options on the market. Yeah, I think he's very underlooked right now. I don't think he gets moved though. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, like I I just said, like they're five and a half out of the division standings against the Twins. I mean. I don't know if Corey Kluber's supposed to come back. I know he broke his arm. I don't know how that's been. I don't know if he's out for the whole season. He might be. It's a broken arm. Um, you know, Cookie, Carlos Carrasco, obviously, is uh, has leukemia. No, prayers go out to him. Like, 
pro- obviously probably not going to play the rest of the season. Uh, Mike Clevenger has had his problems on the IL. You know, I don't know. Is Danny Salazar even on the team anymore? I haven't heard his name all year. He might even be hurt. I don't even, I don't know. So I don't really know. They might even need starting pitching help. But maybe Kluber comes back. I'm not quite aware of what's going on. I just know he broke his arm in the beginning of the year at yeah. Marlins Park. I mean, being five and a half out right now doesn't give you a reason to sell off your team. Now, if they wake up July 31st and they're 11 and a half out, then then it might be that time. But right now, no. Yeah. And now that we're at the All-Star break, uh, we're going to go over the first half basically in a couple questions. First question, what team was the biggest surprise so far in the first half? My answer, the Minnesota Twins. Nobody in their right state of mind thought that Minnesota Twins were going to be out slugging literally everybody. They just broke the record that the Yankees set for the most home runs in the first half. I'm kind of worried they might break it the whole entire record. I mean, they, they've been hitting bombs left and right, and they've been winning games. They've totally just like blown up Las Vegas or whatever with their predictions, probably thinking that the Indians were going to easily take this division like everybody thought they would. And they're leading by five and a half games. And at one point they were 10 games up on the Cleveland Indians. Like that is the biggest surprise in baseball. I think. I think it's by far the Minnesota twins. I think they, what they hit 166 in the first half. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think they continue it, but I think you're crazy to choose anybody else as a, as a big surprise. I mean, there are some surprises, but the biggest surprise is is the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, and the next question is, who was the biggest letdown? My opinion, I think the Rockies were. You know, I, I saw them, I had them going for some wild card spot, and, you know, the Diamondbacks are up on them, who I thought the Rockies were going to be way better than because they were basically selling off their team, uh, getting rid of Paul Goldschmidt, obviously, the face of the franchise. I thought maybe, hey, this is a turning point in there franchise and they're going to maybe try to rebuild something with the upcoming drafts maybe a few trade pieces they got luke weaver obviously back um from and carson kelly from the cardinals in the trade but i mean the rockies have been a letdown i don't they're not even in contention right now for the wild card are they i mean they're 14 and a half games out out of the division lead but obviously they're chasing the dodgers so i mean there's nothing really you can say there, but they're two and a half games out of the wild card, and that's because my my surprise team is the is is the Phillies. Like they're only four games over 500, and I I expect I can put. Here's the thing: is my first thought was the Sox, but a World Series hangover never surprises me, um, you know. And they're still eight games over 500, so I, I eliminated the Sox from my you know my immediate thought. The other, the only two teams that came to mind, other than that, were the Phillies and the Padres because they both landed studs. They spent a ridiculous amount of money for them, and they ended up getting what for it? You know, two and a half. Or the 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 Phils are are obviously right now slated to be in the wild card. Um, but I don't think they're winning the division. I, the Braves are. Yeah, I think the Braves are too. But right now, you're gonna have the Nationals and Phillies in the in the wild card game just to get in, and and the Padres are two games out. 
but that's not what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the Phillies are four games over 500. You landed Bryce Harper. You're going to tell me that that you're not getting, you know, with a plus two run differential uh, for $300 million? Stop it. And for $300 million, you got a 500 ball club with, with Manny Machado and a negative 35 run, di- run differential? Not worth the money. And that's, I think that's, that's probably my biggest surprise, my, my biggest letdown so far. Yeah, and who was the biggest steal for the for any club this season? I your answer is going to be the same as mine, but I'm just going to ask: Can you find someone else maybe different? That way, we just don't go on and on about this guy because you are crazy. Like you, you have something wrong with your brain if you don't think the biggest steal of this entire offseason was DJ Lemayhew. He I, is leading in batting average. I can't. He has 15 home runs. Like, I, I know it's going to be hard. Like, I just, like, he surprises me so much. And he is so good at just at just hit, hitting. And he's a great defender to go with it. Yeah, I, I, there's, there's nobody else even in this category for me as, as Steel. And when I, when I think of Steel, I think for the money. And for two years, $24 million, $12 million a pop before the season as, as your fourth best infielder minus first baseman. And he has single-handedly put Miguel and Duhar in the back seat for next season. So and Duhar better learn how to catch fly balls, or better le- or better learn how to play first base better than Luke Voigt, or he's not going to be in pinstripes for much longer. Yeah, and finally the last question uh, for the first half uh, of the season. What team will make the biggest push for the postseason in the second half that's currently not in contention? You know, there's always that one team in the last month in September that goes on this magical 25-game run, uh, and they put themselves right back in the talk of contention. In my pick, I said that they were going to make the biggest ground, uh, make up the most ground in July, and my pick is the Washington Nationals. They said they're not trading Max Scherzer, and you know what that tells me? That tells me that they are not giving up and that they are going to make the postseason. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Guardo Parra, Parra, outfielder. Uh, they, I think they picked him up over a waiver. I don't even think they signed him this offseason. I think they honestly claimed him. And, you know, he said in an interview, we are making the postseason. And that just telling me right there that the office is saying we're not selling, we're buying now, are you talking? Um, are you talking wild card, or are you talking division? Wild card. I already said the Braves were winning the division. Because okay. I'm going to go. Sure. I'm going to go with the Oakland Athletics making a serious run for the division. Ooh, taking it away from Houston. I think they're going to make a serious run. They've been known to do this before. Um. I think they've I think they've won the uh, their last four series before the All Star break. I think they continue that. I think if you look at their offensive production, it's there, it's balanced, and defensively, I think they're really good. Um, I think they and here's the problem is with the money ball stuff that Oakland does, they're not going to buy, so they're not going to pick up a starting arm to get them there. They need to get there with the pieces that they have. But that's my sleeper pick for the second half. 
Yeah, and the last time they really ever did buy was getting John Lester. And that didn't really work out for them with the Kansas City Royals. They ended up going to the World Series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we keep talking about the All-Star Weekend. But like Dean kind of mentioned before, the Futures game was on Sunday. Um, it's a great time to see what players could be maybe in the future for the game and our future stars. We've already, we've obviously seen uh, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. We've seen all them play in it. And, you know, we saw Vlad Jr. in Miami. Did, you were at that game. Did you see Vlad Jr.? Yeah, but I was I was more I was more tuned into um oh my god, I got to look up who this was. I'm he, I'm I'm 95% sure he was an outfielder for the Astros. While you look Oh, Kyle Tucker? Yes, thank you. That's who I was impressed with that night. Yeah. Um but it was obviously in Cleveland, and Sam Huff won the MVP. He's a Texas Rangers prospect. He's a first baseman and outfielder. Uh, he hit a home run that gave the American League the lead in the seventh, which was tied, which was a, which was a tied ball game for a while. Uh, Nate uh, Pearson hit hit triple digits four times, topping one hundred one point seven in his one inning of work. We were just this is just going over like pretty much the highlight of the players. But do you have any? that was really exciting that you saw my the guy i thought was the most exciting was uh sixto sanchez i think that's how you pronounce his first name sixto uh, yeah, he was actually the guy that the marlins traded for in the jt romuto trade with the phillies this past offseason uh he only pitched two of a third of an inning but he was electric uh throwing five 100 mile per hour heaters and only eight fastballs that he threw i was more um, I, I, I was more impressed with how the format was. What do you mean by that? Explain. Well, it was changed from nine innings to seven. So that caught my eye right there. It obviously went extras. And they they started the eighth with a man on second. They did. I didn't. I didn't really watch it. I watched like again. Like I watched like five innings. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the thing that I think caught my eye the most. I didn't watch much of the game, but that's the one thing that that caught my eye, which is that makes things a little more interesting. Yeah, but the American League ended up winning that game, uh, the Futures game of 2019. And now this is the part where this is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. It is breaking news. It's act- Today, actually, it was released two hours ago, to be exact. This is from Empty Seats Twitter. You can take it for what it is, and it's also on a Washington Post sports. So this is pretty official. All right, I told Dean before that we started recording, I told him that I wanted to get like his live reaction of this. This is a tweet on Twitter about the Atlantic League. It's an, I'm going to read the quote. The Atlantic League, an independent uh, league, with seven teams on the East Coast and one in Texas, will become the first American professional ball club to let a computer call balls and strikes at its all-star game on Wednesday night. That's in garbage. York, in York, Pennsylvania. 
First of all, York is a shithole. Second of all, that is absolutely ridiculous because I have seen that freaking K zone on ESPN all the time call a pitch a strike because it hit the little graphic knowing damn well it was a ball and a half off the plate. Exactly. I, I totally agree with that. It's I, I always think it's stupid, like the little zones. I think they're off a little bit. And, and, I, and I pray to God this thing completely shits the bed. I hope the machine breaks. I hope something goes horribly wrong where they have to delay the game and have emergency umpires standing by. Want to know the best parts of this whole tweet? Can't wait. It's not over. There's more. The computerized strike zone experiment is part of a three-year agreement with MLB that allowed big league officials to install an experimental rules in the Atlantic League to study their effects on the gameplay, strategy, tempo, and prospect development. I'm not done. That, so that's, that's, that's wrapping up the computerized strike zone. This is the thing that I think that you'll be shocked. I, like when I saw this, my jaw dropped. Just know that. Like, I was like, this is fake. And then I saw, like, oh, crap, this might be real. Again, this is from Empty Seats. In the second half of the season in the Atlantic League, the batters will be allowed to steal first base. Any pitch on any count not caught in the flight will be considered a live ball, and the batter may run to first base Similar to drop third strikes. What in the world is going on with baseball? Jesus. I, I, I have. What the fuck? I rarely ever say ruining the F- baseball. I never say the F word on this show, but this is the biggest yeah. bullshit I have ever seen in my life. You, what? I'm hoping this is fake and this is a prank. The fact that MLB is like experimenting this, like if this is something to do with Rob Manford, please get out of the office now. I don't know who's behind this, but we need to find out who and get yeah, him fired. We need to do our homework before the next episode. So, so I know for a fact, this is a real thing that's going on. And I might even know someone that's playing in that league. So let me double check if this is real because that's absolutely absurd. I, 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 was like, I was like, oh, we all saw this coming with the strike zone. But I know you were not expecting this but, stealing first base. But, but what's, what's next? What's next? Like, like, you could like, throw underhand like softball. Yeah, but, but like, like, so like one pitch out of the game, you're allowed to throw like a golf ball. You know what I mean? Like, what's next? What's next? They're going to break out the Vortex bats? Like, this is bullshit. It is. Uh, but that was basically the tweet. We'll have more on that for you uh, does, next does, time. Does Jimmy know about that? No, he does not. And I'm That's not going to tell him. Say that for Jimmy next. I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, that's honestly the first thing we're going to talk about. We're going to dive more into that. It just came out. It's breaking news, like like I said. So we don't really know much about it, but I'm sure we will probably record maybe Sunday. So Monday will hear. 
Uh, but that basically wraps it up. And obviously, we need to go with the traditional. And if you if you if you're near your phone, which you probably are, open up the app Notes. If you have a notepad, take it out with a pen and write down what is about to be said. This is the if you're going to take anything away from what we've been talking about, this is the part where you need to listen. This is Dean's final thought. The most wisdom that you'll get the whole podcast. Dean, this, this, what's your final my, thought? My final thought is, which I don't know if we talked about it before, but we should have. Okay, July 1st just passed. Does anybody know what July... JD, do you know what July 1st, in, in like the, the main importance of that day is? No. It's Bobby Bonilla Day! Bobby, oh, yeah, that's right. Bobby Bonilla makes $1.1 million every July 1st from 2011 through the year 2035. We talk about Ellsbury and other contracts being the worst contract. No, no, this that is, the, is the worst contract. This is the greatest contract ever. In 2000, the For Mets a player. The Mets agreed to buy out the remaining $5.9 million of Bobby Bonilla's contract. However, instead of paying Bonilla the $5.9 million at that time, the Mets agreed to make annual payments of nearly $1.2 million for 25 years starting July 1st, 2011, including a negotiated 8% interest rate. Bobby Bonilla, you and your agent are absolute geniuses. Nobody else in the world should do negotiating other than his agent. Happy Bobby Bonilla Day, nine days belated. Congratulations on your $1.19 million for doing jack shit this year. I wonder if he has like a party every year to like celebrate. <laughs> I, I, I would. If I was him every June 30th, is there 30 days in June? Whatever. On the yeah. 30th of June, I would spend... 500 grand on anything I could buy. <laughs> just like buy a car every year. Like, I would spend 200 grand on buy a house and just throw a <laughs> You know yeah. what else was also on July 4th that I didn't I didn't know it was on July 4th. I thought it was I knew it was in July. I didn't I thought it was like July 2nd or 3rd to be honest. Lou Gehrig's speech. Oh, I mean. The luckiest man speech. Yeah, Today, so, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Yeah, well, I, I just like had a real uplifting moment for Bobby Bonilla Day, and now you brought me back down. How did that bring you down? That's one of the greatest speeches ever. And by the way, he's definitely – we're not going to get into it, but he's underrated. He, he's, he's uh, definitely, people, appreci people appreciate him, but he is underrated. He's definitely underrated, but it's, it's sad. It's a sad speech. It's almost as sad as the Jim Valvano speech um, for during the ESPYs. Yeah. Yeah, but you just said like the Bobby thing, so it made me think of that. Like, oh, that was about the other day too. Yeah. But that's all for this edition of Major League Talk. Uh, make sure to subscribe. We hope you enjoyed it, and also make sure to follow us on social media at Twitter at JD with sports, Facebook at JD with sports and Instagram at JD with sports.co.
Twitter is probably going to be the most active, showing you the most highlights of each night stuff going on. So yeah, follow those accounts for updates. That's where we release when we have pod, uh, new episodes of the podcast, uh, new information, highlights from recent nights, anything. Those are the official accounts of Major League Talk and JD with Sports. You got anything else, Dean? I got nothing else other than next podcast, Pete Rose, mark it down. Pete Rose, I will. Write it down. Doing it right now. Pete. Yeah. Pete Rose, write that down. 100% should be in the Hall of Fame. You should. I think that's one of the most absurd things, too. Write that down. I'm done.